the four is always wrestling with this very real distinction between what is in their head and what is in the world. And that just doesn't go away. Like if something has potential and it doesn't live up to that potential, then I have a hard time with that. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good. The bad. And the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love Thy Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Enneacast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and today we come to type number four, the originalist. These folks are pretty great. <laughs> Why are fine. you yawning? I'm, I'm just over all the fours, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> they, you just universally broke all the romantic hearts in the world. It's, they'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they will not. <laughs> That's the point. They'll uh, write a song about it then, and then oh, we'll all benefit. No, so. that part's true. Yeah. yeah. Hey, just a reminder, if you've not yet listened to uh, the Type 4 episode from Season 1, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to it, because we're going to be talking about some things that are based off uh, what we discussed in that episode. Yes. Um, so when these folks are resourceful, they are caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very expressive. And they're very emotionally intuitive. Uh, these folks are really gifted at knowing what's going on with others emotionally and giving language to other people's emotional experience. And when these people are non-resourceful, they can tend to be a little dramatic or moody. What do you mean by that? Um, they tend to overreact. <laughs> and they are never quite satisfied. So this season, we're going to be asking the question, how can I change And before we move to the good news, first we need to acknowledge the bad news about ourselves. And because Sam loves telling us bad news. So, as we know, fours are in the heart triad. And for those in the heart triad, their primary struggle is the issue of shame. And for the four specifically, the shame manifests itself and gives birth to the deadly sin of envy. Yeah, envy. The idea that other people or someone else just has it better than I do. Mm-hmm. That if I only had that thing, then my life would be better or I would feel complete or this ache inside of me would go away. Yes. And so it's like this perpetual longing uh, yes. that, that goes on inside of them. So let's talk about the top three particular ways that this deadly sin of envy can manifest itself for type fours. We're going to call these the three problems. So problem number one. Holding on to the belief that you're deficient, which causes you to close off from others. Here's the deal. Fours, when you feel that you're deficient, you don't believe that you're worth other people's love and time. And because you don't believe that you're worth other people's love, you withdraw, which means that you are starving yourself from the very thing that you want. Yes, it becomes a very self-fulfilling prophecy for fours. They live with this idea that... No one understands me or I'm different. I'm not like other people. And so this becomes the fuel to actively or passively sabotage their relationships. Okay, so that's problem one. Problem two, distracting yourself from your own growth through your attachment to particular emotions. So, Jesse, can you just like give an example for those that may not necessarily understand what this is right off the bat? I mean, honestly, like the most common thing, you know, so I'm a four is that, you know, if somebody starts to press in, I will almost have like a visceral response of like, 
they're not understanding me. Mm. And being misunderstood then becomes the emotion I attach to. Like, now I feel different. Now I feel ashamed. Now I feel rejected. And I get now I have the ability to focus on that feeling mm-hmm. instead of on the actual topic that they're bringing to my attention. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, our friends at Crosspoint came up with this notion that we all have this relational and emotional thermostat that we all kind of set at different levels. And fours have the most awareness, a heightened sense of their own emotional thermostat and that of others. So the problem for the four is that they can distract themselves from actually doing the work and instead just dial up their emotional thermostat. And then that nothing's ever actually getting done. No work's getting done. But now everybody's just more emotional. Uh, Problem number three is focusing on what's missing to the point that nothing meets your standards. So when we are unhealthy, fours, like we fixate on whatever is Mm. missing. Like if you come to us and you're like, how was it? We're like, it was fine, but, and we just go on to tell you all the different ways that the experience was crap, you Mm. know, even though it was probably a wonderful experience. So I think, I think that fours really struggle to have realistic and fair expectations for life. And I think that. Um, the struggle of the four is we put those unfair expectations on the people around us and on life, and we set ourselves up from the very beginning to have a disappointing experience. Mm. And then if you ask us six months later, we'll romanticize the experience. Right. It was so yeah. amazing. Why can't the new experience be like the old one? Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, we, we're jacked. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, so that is the bad news. Let's talk about the good news. So the good I'm news ready is, for the good news. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the good news. The good news is that God does not leave us where we are, but he comes to us with the gospel, and he invites us to live life uh, as our true self in Christ. So fours are in the heart triad. We struggle with the issue of shame, the feelings of deficiency, of the idea that we are broken. Well, what is the remedy for shame? It is God's delight. It is God coming to us and celebrating us, singing over us, doting over us because he is a good and loving father mm-hmm. who loves us. And our conviction is the only way for a four to be healed of this shame is to truly experience God's delight in them. And if they can experience this, then their shame will be healed and they can move from a posture of envy to equanimity. And equanimity is basically just means balance. So Proverbs 14:30 says a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. So this proverb is telling us that balance and tranquility instead of envy and overreaction are life-giving. So let's explore what a life of balance and equanimity looks like for the type four. Now we're going to take those three primary ways that we just mentioned that the deadly sin manifests itself for this type. And now we're going to explore specific ways that God is inviting us out of our false self and into our true self in Christ. So we're going to look at each problem again and then offer solutions for that problem. Uh, Just a note here, we've adapted a large portion of our teaching from Beatrice Chestnut's The Complete Enneagram, but we've infused it with Christian theology. And we're going to give a lot more tips than you could ever memorize. So just focus on a couple of them. Yes. uh, And then as you're ready, just revisit this list again in the future. Okay. So Sam, kick us off. Okay. So problem one, again, holding on to the belief that you're deficient, which causes you to close off from others. So the first solution for this problem is to challenge that belief that you're inferior. You know, remember that you were made in the image of God and God doesn't make bad things. He makes things that are whole and complete and good. And the gospel shows us that we're all equally created in the image of God and equally in need of a savior. No one is worse off than you. No one's better off than you. And so fours can look to themselves and think that I'm not as I should be. Well, that's true for that's all. everybody. Yeah, that's everybody. Like yeah. all of us deal with that issue. Like yeah. um, you are not more deficient 
than anyone else around you. And you are also not more special than anybody else around you. Your deepest identity is not that you are a sinner. Your deepest identity is that you are loved by God. Mm. So the second solution is speak more kindly to yourself and take care of yourself. Fours have a really strong inner critic that can really uh, start to beat down on them and shame them. And it's important that fours do the work of preaching the gospel to themselves. The Lord loves me. The Lord mm-hmm. accepts me. Yeah. Um, the Lord has made me this way. I am quirky and I do like things different than a lot of my friends like. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And it's also totally fine that they like their mainstream stuff. Who cares? Like it's that's not the stuff of substance. And in fact, Zephaniah, you know, there's a scripture that says the Lord, your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Yeah, that's actually my favorite Bible verse. It's awesome. Like it's so it's such a good picture of God being this empathetic parent and drawing near to us in time of need and delighting uh, with great joy and singing. And we're, and we're actually going to do an episode on self-care later in this season. So yes. stay tuned for that, because I think that, uh, you know, all the types are going to find it helpful. But, you know, fours, you guys are really going to find that helpful. I think that's good. Okay, so the third solution is recognize that envy, competition, and self-abusive behavior as danger signs that you're living out of your non-resourceful self. Fours, it's important for you to recognize when you feel insecure and acknowledge the shame that you may be feeling. If you ever feel yourself becoming envious or competitive or self-abusive, those are warning signs to, to turn the car around and to head another direction. Yeah, I can definitely notice it come up in myself. You know, if I start like talking trash, you know, about other people's creative projects, like that's never that doesn't come from a good place. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost always out of a place of like, I need to feel like what I'm doing is unique and different and special. So for us, like ask ask God to help you to surrender, you know, which for the four, it, like it often means taking a time out and pausing and not acting until our emotions subside. So, like, don't get reactive when your emotions get big. Go like, my emotions are really hot right now. Mm. This is not the moment for me to act. I need to sit on this and let, like, my levels come back down to, like, the healthy range. That's good. So those are some of the solutions for problem number one. Let's talk about problem number two. So problem number two is distracting yourself from your own growth through your attachment to particular emotions. So the first solution for this problem is acknowledge your emotions without wallowing in them. Mm. Uh, And I'm going to guess that fours know exactly what that means. Like, (laughs) And oftentimes, you know, for fours, we love intensity. And so we will equally like roll around in a really dark emotion and we'll roll around in a really light emotion. So I think it's important for fours to to just go like, I'm going to feel this. I'm going to experience it. Sometimes I'm going to express it overtly and then I'm just going to I'm going to let it go. Mm. And if I can't let it go, I'm just stuck. I need to change my scenery. I need to do something to change my environment. So I'm not going to sit in my room. I'm not going to sit in the office. I'm not going to sit at home at home and stew in my anger and my fantasy scenarios in my head about the people around me. I'm going to go and I'm going to like get out of the scenery and do something different. Yeah, I think that's really good. Okay, so the second solution is. Guard against your desire to create drama and intensity. I think this is what kind of you're getting at earlier is that fours love and can kind of really almost like palpably feel their emotions in a way that that most other types can't. And, you know, where in your day can you just let things be mundane? Not everything has to be the like super mega awesome spectacular blah. Like it's, it's, And that's a real fear for a lot of fours. When you start using language like 
can, is it okay for some things just to be average or normal or boring or mundane? Really? Mini fours, it's a, like, it triggers something deep inside of us mm. that makes us go, like, this feels wrong. It's not wrong. Like, that's just life. Mm. Life cannot always be giant and big and intense and exciting. So I think it's important for fours, like, we need to pick up some non-emotional hobbies and some emotionally calming hobbies, you mm-hmm. know? I know a lot of fours that do, like, yoga um, or, like, they do, like, adult coloring books, you know, yeah. like, um, like crochet, knit. Yeah. Painting, Cro- yeah. landscaping. So we're doing like creative work, but it's not stuff that's like igniting our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, because like guys, that stuff's already lit. Like we don't need to like fuel that a ton more. Yeah. That's good. Uh, and finally the third solution is recognize that habitual longing blocks you from receiving the good parts of your life. Fours loved along. They loved along for, you know, the possible future and the what ifs and if only. But that perpetual longing really keeps us from celebrating and appreciating the life that we do have. And a little longing can be a good thing, but a lot of longing is a destructive force because nothing can ever live up to that longing feeling. Yeah, I just I think it has a lot of relational consequences, this idea of always longing because the people around you, they they can't deliver on what it is that you're longing for. That will exhaust your friends. They won't feel like they can live up to you. And eventually they're going to be like, well, she doesn't want to be here anyway. So might as well, you know, I don't know how to yeah. be, I don't know how to help this person right. anymore. A, a trick that I started doing several years ago, and it, it really has transformed this issue for me, is that when I f- catch myself beginning to long, I go, I'm longing right now. And I literally go, who and what am I thankful for right now? And I begin to list off specific scenarios. And as I move from longing into gratitude, I become more grounded in the moment and my longing stuff begins to shut down. And I'm like much more present and attentive to the life that I do have and the life that I am living. Okay, so that was problem two. Let's move on to problem three. So problem three, focusing on what's missing to the point that nothing meets your standards. And so the first solution for this problem is to see where your expectations and reality can meet. So the modern Enneagram asks this question. What are the realistic desires behind your unrealistic fantasies? And will you take steps to achieve what's realistic or will you just stay in your head? I will stay in my head. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is a really important one. I, th- I think that it's important for fours to recognize uh, the moments in which um, they have expectations that are just not grounded in reality. Mm. They cannot happen. And I think the trick here is going like, what's under all that? Like, what is it that you really want relationally? And how can we align some of those desires with reality? And so I think that just practical action is just really key for growth. That's like one of the great gifts of, you know, the one energy for fours, um, because fours, we get stuck in fantasy. But ones are awesome at just like practical action. What can I actually do that's mm-hmm. going to make an empirically good uh, impact on the world and the life that I'm living. Mm, That's good. Okay, the second solution is apply your gift of seeing beauty to yourself and others. So fours have this incredible intuitive gift of just seeing beauty in the world. We're great about seeing it in mountains. We're great about seeing it in the written word. But I think that it's really important that we take that gift of seeing beauty and we just we use it to see uh, the beauty of God at work inside of us, the beauty of God at work inside of other people. Yeah, fours, we love you. We need you because you're reminding us of the good, true and beautiful things in the world. You're helping us connect with our emotions and being our 
authentic self. I think um, one more thing I would say on this is the healthiest fours that I know don't just they don't long after some beauty they can never have. Mm. They adore the beauty that is already present in life. The mysterious, mystical, beautiful work of God present and moving in the world like that that's a pretty incredible gift yeah that's good and finally the third solution is daily fight to see the positive so that that's not just like a bumper sticker phrase or like a cute thing that you can share on social media but it's actually in scripture so the apostle paul says in philippians brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about these things and the god of peace will be with you so it's it's a spiritual discipline to fight to see the positive so the question is like how do we do that on a daily basis you know yeah. how do we recognize um, the goodness of god the goodness of life the goodness uh, that is around me on a daily basis and i think that that's a discipline it's a mm-hmm. discipline to practice gratitude it's a discipline to practice celebration it's a it's a discipline to look at something and go okay yes it is less than it could be, mm-hmm. but what is good mm-hmm. here? Well, when we come back, we'll be talking with podcast host and all-around creative, Richard Clark. Stay with us. Okay, so hosting this podcast isn't even like your main gig here. No, this is like a side hustle. I am actually, I'm on staff and I do, I'm my official job title is a recruitment manager. Right. What do you love about that? I love getting to meet people from all different walks of life with all different interests and backgrounds that come and serve and relocate and move here. Oh, then you're really going to love this. Okay, so check this out. This is uh, from Asha Juno. So she is a production coordinator in Orlando, Florida, and oh, she cool. served with us. Uh, and here's what she had to say. Honestly, I don't know that anything has had a greater impact on my life than Love Thy Neighborhood. I think so much about the way I live my life is a reflection of what I learned during my time in Louisville. So what should people do if they also want to come and be a part of this experience? Well, I think the easiest next step for people is if they're interested, they should go online to lovethyneighborhood.org. From there, they can see all the different internships that we offer, and maybe one of them will be right for them. Head over to lovethatneighborhood.org, and maybe just like Asha, you'll walk away going, nothing's had a bigger influence on your life. Welcome back to the Cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. Our guest today is Richard Clark. Richard is a producer for Christianity Today podcast, as well as the branded content and partnerships manager for CT Creative Studio. He's the host of Living an Effective, a narrative podcast exploring what happens when the Bible and humanity collide. He's also the co-host of No Chill Enneagram, the whimsical, wise, and fun-loving podcast cousin to the Enneacast. <laughs> Their incredible season finale is out now. You can find them by searching for No Chill Enneagram in any podcast app. And also, Rich is a type four on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Rich. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Uh, it's good to have you back. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you were you were with us yeah. on season one. You and uh, Bethany Perkins, your co-host, joined us. I know, and now I got that dead weight off of me. Thankfully. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm just half a person here. No, I feel like we need to have Bethany. Bethany. Bethany needs to be here saying, "Wow, Richard, okay." <laughs> that, was See, my, yeah, that was my Bethany impression. That was pretty good, actually. When you described uh, Notre Enneagram as wise, I thought, "Well, that's not me. That's <laughs> Bethany." 
though. Well, I didn't want to say that on the air. You said that. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Um, you know, when you first came across the Enneagram, what was it like for you when you first read about and heard about uh, your Enneagram type? Like, what resonated with you? I think the thing that resonated with me most was the what's missing. Something Something's missing, right? This idea that the four sees things that are missing in like everything, including in themselves and others and the things that they work on. That probably resonated the most to me just because I think, you know, I was pretty well acquainted with this feeling of never being content and always feeling like, Whatever opportunities I have, they weren't good enough. Whatever um, work I did, it wasn't good enough. And whatever I did, I wasn't good enough. Even in, not just in general, but in the total depravity sense, but also just in the sense of like comparing myself to other people. Um, I always felt like there was something uh, deeply different um, and probably wrong about about me. Yeah. 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 You said deeply different and probably wrong. That feels like it should be on a coffee mug for the floor. (laughs) 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 Just encapsulates everything. Um, So uh, because that is the deadly sin and the struggle for the four. So so why do you think that is like where where does that insufficient, you know, uh, longing and uh, never satisfied envy stuff kind of come from? And um, how do you recognize that within yourself? Like where have you seen kind of envy at play in your life? For the four, the four is always wrestling with this very real distinction between what is in their head and what is in the world. And that just doesn't go away because it couldn't possibly, right? Because I think fours just really obsess over the lack. I think they obsess over potential. Potential is a big word for me. Like if something has potential and it doesn't live up to that potential, then I have a hard time with that. And so you know, sometimes that results in envy in the sense that someone is doing something that's very much like you're passionate about and you're excited about, but they don't do it exactly the way that you would have liked it to be done. And then you become envious that you didn't get to do that thing. Right. That's something I experienced quite a bit. Yeah, totally. Well, let's, let's actually talk a little bit about the specific problems that we explored uh, at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so problem number one is holding on to the belief that you're deficient, which causes you to close off from others. How have you seen this show up in your life? I think that, I mean, this is an interesting one because I know a lot of fours that tend to withdraw a lot from people. And I've been doing that more because I have kids, but I don't know if it's related to that. I, I also just like like being around people like at least traditionally in my life, (laughs) Um, I'm struggling with whether or not that's still the case. But I think one of the patterns I've seen in my own life, I will say, is that for me in um, groups of people where I'm not like fully familiar with everyone, I will become very closed off. I will become, I've I've also often spoken of it in terms of ratios. And so (laughs) if I know like two thirds of the people in that room, then I'm going to be pretty on. I'm going to be like a pretty impressive person, I guess. But if I know like a quarter of the people in that room, I'm going to come across as totally withdrawn, shy freak of a person, basically. Um, Because I'll be racked with self-doubt and just basically like unable to participate in whatever is happening. 
And I've noticed that it's, it happens more like basically the more self-centered I am. The more I have self-centered I am, the more I'm making assumptions about what other people are thinking about me. And that is, um, that is when things kind of go off the rails in terms of relationships. Yeah, yeah. I'm similar. So if I walk mm-hmm. into a room and I know most people, I'm actually really social. Yeah. Uh, but if I walk into a room and I don't know many, I can be fairly reclusive. I can really kind of just keep to myself. Yep. But I've also noticed that it's, and it's a different way that it shows up, but in my most primary relationships, so my wife or my kids or my closest friends mm. or family, that I can also have moments where I withdraw because I'm, I feel inadequate for what the relationship calls for. Mm. And yeah. so, uh, so I will also withdraw in some of those scenarios. And after, you know, and of course the consequences are way higher, you know? So like if it's a stranger, who cares if it's my, wife, you know, or my kids. Yes. Uh, and I'm pulling back because I don't feel like I've got what it takes to be, you know, a husband or a father. Okay. Well now the consequences have really intensified. Right. Let me ask you this. So like of the three solutions that were proposed for that first problem, were there any that like you've put to use? And, and if so, like, what has that been like for you? I have been sort of actively trying to challenge just this idea that I am inferior. I've been trying to, you know, this one song that really resonates with me is a pretty simple concept, but Andrew Peterson's, uh, I think, Be Kind to Yourself is a very deep song to me because it's just such an impossible thing to do, but it's also very simple and possible if you actually try to do it. And so just knowing that, that I am made in the image of God and that he loves me and that he, he made me this way. He made me the way I am. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest one. So we also kind of talked a little bit about, um, you know, Jesse was telling the story about how like he would, instead of focusing on a problem would just kind of attach to a certain emotion. Does that sound true for you as well? How have you seen some of that for you? Yes, I um in the mo- in, in the moment those things feel so important it feels like hashing something out or it feels like uh getting things out of your brain because you need to and then you leave and you're like ah, why why did I waste everyone's time with that you know like and a lot of times I'll even just completely change my mind about the situation literally yesterday guys I was with my boss and I said you know I probably shouldn't even talk about this now because I'm just stressed out. And then I proceeded to do that. (laughs) I proceeded to talk about it (laughs) and did exactly this thing. Like I just like kind of just sort of ranted about how busy I was and how stressed I was, which was like an overreaction to a very like specific situation. And that is just, that's an, that's an embarrassing thing to do, you know? Um, And something I'm trying to like, red flag as quickly as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, so problem number three was focusing on what's missing to the point that nothing meets your standards. Um, But one of the solutions that we talked about was trying to align our expectations with reality. So for you, like, what does it look like for you to let your expectations and reality meet? Doing away with assumptions is really important. Not just assumptions. Yeah. I think sometimes speculation will turn into assumption and I don't often know it. So rumination is like a really dangerous thing for me Sure, yeah, um, yeah. in all sorts of ways. Like I will often ruminate on 
what I think someone is thinking. That's we just talked about that a little bit. And then very quickly, it becomes so real in my head that I think it's like I've tricked myself into believing it's true. And then sometimes I'll ruminate about how great something's going to be. And inevitably it isn't, you know, um, for me, the more I lean into objectivity, the better. And I mean that in all sorts of ways. Making lists is really helpful for me in terms of like knowing what's possible to get done. But also just talking something through with someone with the point of getting to the bottom of what is objectively true, as opposed to what I just talked about, which is like, I just need to get this out, you know? just getting something out doesn't really accomplish anything. People like invented physics about how that works. I don't know. I don't really buy it, (laughs) but I think, (laughs) I think the reality is like, it's really helpful to talk through something with someone and figure out like what is true and what isn't. And to sort of check my assumptions against someone else's assumptions. And that can be a really useful way of bringing expectations and reality together. Yeah, that's good. I think, you know, like you're saying, like the getting it out, you may feel better. Yeah. But that feeling will eventually fade and then you'll get kind of stuck in that script again of like, oh, like and you just kind of get like more kind of worked up and you don't actually feel better because the you've not gotten to like the engaging the head space of like what's true because my feelings can't I can't trust my feelings all the time, but I can put my stakes in truth because the truth is what grounds and what yeah being objective yeah my wife is also very good at this one of the things so literally i'm just going to read you this because this was a facebook messenger conversation we had yesterday where something happened and i was like sad about it or frustrated and she said so uh describe what happened in a narrative (laughs) and then and then i did and she said okay what would you say if you were giving advice as an outsider Yep. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. And I'm just sitting, of course, I'm annoyed because it's very transparent to me what's happening. But but at least it forces me to ask the question, which I find really useful. And and of course, she, the important thing here is that the first thing Jennifer said was, I'm so sorry, that sounds terrible. Um, mm. Yeah. But then she said the other things. Yeah, I think that's good. I think a lot of times if, you know, people aren't careful, like they can make the four feel worse by not like giving full weight to what it is that you guys are upset about at that time, you know? So instead of trying to brush past and saying like, okay, like let's just try to fix it or like, let's just think about what's true. It's like, Oh wait, let's like, you seem to be upset. Like you're yes. right. That is something to kind of be upset about. Like, I'm sorry that happened in that way. Yeah. You know? It does. It does actually make sense to dwell a little bit on how bad it is because it is bad. Like it just objectively is often that bad but then there's the there's the question of like what can be done or did it have to happen or what do we do next and by the way what's next what what do we do next is probably the most important question a fork can ever ask a lot of times if i'm wallowing you know Mm -hmm. which happens a lot Mm -hmm. i'll wallow in like being frustrated or even just honestly i've i've struggled with anxiety and depression and depression in particular you just don't want to do anything but um figuring out like what is the next right thing to quote the title of a podcast mm-hmm. that's pretty good mm-hmm. that people should check out um <laughs> that is probably the most useful thing it's really simple and obvious and sounds a little like a stupid mantra but um for for like getting up and doing chores is just a huge deal yeah like i can be overwhelmed by all of this but the next right thing to do is uh like 
go take the trash out, like go to work, like go to the grocery. Like it just kind of says like, I can do that. Like I may not be able to fix all of this overnight. I may not be able to bring the right resolution here, but I can do these small things. I think that's really important. Okay. So the last question that we kind of want to end on um, gets back to the issue of shame Um, in the heart triad, especially uh, this feeling of deficiency and uh, never, never quite enough. Um, we believe that God responds to that shame with his delight. And um, Rich, for you, like, how have you seen that? How have you experienced God's pleasure and joy and delight in your life? I think the answer to that is mostly other people. Um, the people closest to me that truly love me and that do so um, and that love me unconditionally, those are the people that, you know, when you force yourself to take things at face value can bring a lot of joy to my life. Shame like paralyzes, right? It takes it takes all of your perspective and it limits it to what's happening right now as opposed to what could happen in the future. And it also sort of just tells you that there's nothing you could do about anything. And I think I think the alternative to that is getting up and doing something. I think too just like prayer. Um, and just, I've, I've started sort of gravitating towards more opportunities for sort of silence and solitude and prayer. And I've been trying to like build habits of doing that. I've been pretty bad at doing that in the past. And I just think there's something grounding about kneeling in prayer and understanding that God actually cares what you're saying. Yeah. I, I resonate with all of that. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Well, listen, when we come back, we are going to be playing Your Worst Nightmare with Richard Clark. Sweet. Stay with (laughs) us. In today's episode of the Enneacast, we're exploring type number four, the originalist. One of the other nicknames for the originalist is the romantic. And that's because fours are known for longing for that one special person to fill the void in their heart. Well, things don't always work out that way which is why we want to direct you to our other podcast, the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast, and especially episode number 18, where the gospel meets singleness. I don't know how this would come out, and of course you don't have to include it, but can can I talk about sex for a minute? You know, everyone tells you you have to be satisfied in Christ. I was curious as to, like, maybe I am doing something wrong. And I've said to a number of American churches, you would happily have Paul as your apostle, but you wouldn't have him as your pastor. So subscribe now by searching for Love Thy Neighborhood in whatever podcast app you prefer, or head over to lovethyneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Sam Stevenson. And now it's time for Your Worst Nightmare. Okay, so Your Worst Nightmare is a real game. You can find it on Amazon or head over to PressManToy.com. So, Rich, here's how the game works. Uh, Each round, there are four cards. Sam is going to read these cards off to us, and then you are going to put them in the order in which you are afraid of them, one being the most afraid, all the way down to four, which would be the one that you are least afraid of. Um, So you're going to write your answers down. 
at the same time, I'm also going to rank the order in which I believe that you are afraid of those things. Everyone that I get right, meaning that I ranked it correctly, then I get a point. If I get all four correct, then I get five points. If I get none correct, then clearly I have more to learn about fours. I've not paid attention enough. Uh, Okay, so Rich, if I get nine points or more, I win. Okay. If I get less than nine points, I've lost. Then the you game. win, Rich. And if you get exactly oh, nine, oh, so the more like unpredictable and special I am, then the more likely you are to win. The more likely. So Perfect. don't sabotage the but game. But I do. Though. I do want to point out, and I want to make sure you remember that the Lord sees all, and if you lie in order to win, just to make sure you remember, God's that, Rich. gonna get you. <laughs> don't. Yeah, I know. I know all that, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys get exactly nine points, then I win. Is that what happens? No, that's not. A, <laughs> okay, no, okay, you're okay. Out. So round one. Are you guys, you guys ready? Write them down. Number one, bad poetry. Two, abandonment. Three, small towns. Four, identity theft, which is not a joke. It affects thousands of people every year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You have them. I have them. Okay. Okay. I'm getting close. I've, I almost got it. Hold on. Okay, I think that I have Sir Richard Clark's numbers. Okay, here, Rich, so. uh, what did you rank these in? Number one. So I should say the number one then. Yeah. yeah. What are you most afraid of? My number one is abandonment by a long Boom, shot. Boom! Yeah, it is. You are terrified of it. Yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> okay, number two. Uh, identity theft. Ah, not I okay. Got Why? It just sounds like a situation. I I'm gonna have to spend a lot of time getting out of yeah all right number three bad poetry mm. which is not that scary to me it's more hilarious than scary yeah, yeah. to me so number four was small towns small towns i like sound fine to me where, where are you from originally uh you follow alabama which is a small town okay so that yeah see I, so i'm i'm not from a small town i get a little anxious when i'm in a small town all right that is the end of round one, correct? Okay, I got have, a whopping one point. Got a one point. I got a lot of work to do. Okay, so uh, number one, crazy exes. Number two, puppets. Number three, intimacy. And number four, the word moist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling with this one quite a bit. So, okay, before I give you my answers, I'm just going to say that really the only one I'm really scared of is definitely crazy exes. The others are are fine. Uh, okay. I definitely did not change my answers. Sorry. <laughs> okay, everybody ready? Rich, what is your greatest fear? My greatest fear is crazy exes. Hey! What a surprise. Uh, <laughs> number it. two? Um. So from here on, I'm just like randomly slotting them. The word moist doesn't really bother me that much, but that's number two for me. Mm, that, that you answered wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay, number three? Number three is intimacy. Uh, which mm. I I like more than dislike, mm. but there are moments when I guess it's a little scary. I don't know. Yeah, and so number four is puppets. Puppets are cool. What about what about intimate moist puppets? No, 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 no. <laughs> that would be scary. Yeah, I, I couldn't even want. get it out. <laughs> moist puppet intimacy. Okay, okay. Right, so I right, got right. one more point. <laughs> Things are looking great for Rich. Yeah, Honestly, can I you know. even win at this point? Who knows? Okay, round three. Uh, number one, airplane food. Number two, being dumped. Number three, roller coasters. Number four, death. Oh man, I'm 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 torn. All right. Uh, okay, let's well, see. Let's see if you're right, Rich. What is your number one greatest fear? 
My number one is being dumped. Yeah, that's what I would have put by that, a long I, shot. I was I, and you know, and I had that thought that that you would be more scared of that than death. But, but I put wrong. I put death. Uh, I should have known better f- because you're a four. Fours are like comfortable with death. Mm. It's a, it's also just a form of abandonment. Like how is that not the same thing? Number two is death because it's death. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then three is roller coasters. Yes. I actually like roller coasters. They're fine. And then airplane food. I actually like feel fancy when I'm eating airplane food because normally they just give you peanuts. So if they're giving you like an actual meal, it means you're going somewhere important. Yeah. Well, yeah even being in an airplane implies like I am fancy today. Well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it does. well, because fancy of- rich Clark. I only got four <laughs> points. Which is fitting for the fours. So Yeah, I'm happy with that. Enjoy your victory lap. I will. Okay, so we're going to end each episode this season by asking our guests questions from our listeners. So this first one comes from Alice Sunshine, super clever, Alice Sunshine 26, and they say, I'm a four, but I'm not super creative. Do fours have to be creatives? Uh, yes, sorry. Just kidding. Oh, that was it? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> fours three? don't have to be creative. I think um, fours often are because they are, they excel, they excel at it when they do. You know what I mean? Like if you're into creative stuff, then... A four is going to be pretty good at like conveying the human experience, which is a lot, a lot of what art and creativity is. But I think that the sort of resourceful traits of a four can be really useful in other things like interact anything where you're interacting with people. Um, and the other thing I'd say is you might actually be creative. You might just not know it um, because sometimes creativity looks like, you know, creative problem solving um, or making something uh, that is sort of like by the book and boring, but in a way that is that is effective and surprising and interesting. So I would I mean, you could you could literally write a textbook in a way that is creative. So I'd encourage you to like second guess that assumption a little bit um, and talk to people about like whether you are actually creative. And then um, and if you're not, that's totally fine. Yeah, I have a friend who's a uh, one of the best offensive football coaches. Um, not offensive like uh, offensive. Like, yeah, offenses. Mm-hmm. Off. Look, look, see, this is what happens when I try to talk sports. <laughs> uh, but I have a friend who the, is. The but I have a friend who is coach. one of the best offensive <laughs> football coaches in the state of Kentucky. Uh, he's a four, and his ability to look at his players and to see creative strategies that the other team doesn't anticipate is one of the reasons why his team consistently plays very well. Um, and so that's that's not a traditional, you know, it's not a, you know, high arts scenario, but this is a guy that's completely creative and emotionally intuitive and, you know, but he leverages those gifts of uh, creativity and, and um, you know, in other ways. Okay, so Rich is anonymous and it says, I'm a four. I have a hard time connecting with the interest in my friends. How can I create connections when we enjoy such different activities? Um, I've been struggling with this one, too. I have been trying to put like lower stakes on my relationships. I think sometimes relationships can feel really like, like you're not, if you're not connecting with someone in a way that you think you should, if it starts to feel like, Oh, what, what is wrong with me? Why won't this work? 
but it's not that big of a deal and it's fine. And I think it's, it's just fine to like hang out with people sometimes um, and not make such a big deal out of it. And, and also like go out of your comfort zone a little bit and just try weird stuff. Um, some of the most rewarding things I've done have been things that I didn't think I would like, like uh, hitting golf balls at a driving range and weird stuff like that. So I would, I would suggest like, not one of the things I do struggle with is trying to like bring people into my stuff um, because I feel really passionate about my stuff and like the things that I do. But I think it's actually, um, you know, if you, if you struggle with loving people or caring about people or liking people, I think one way to do that is to get into their world and sort of become a little incarnational um, with them. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not a big sports guy, but a lot of my peer group, they like they love sports. And so they'll, you know, uh, hung out with some guys the other night watching the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, last year, a bunch of us went to this big football game. I literally don't know what is happening on the field. I don't understand the sport. And so I can't be excited nor disappointed about a single thing that is happening. But I show up. And what I look for is I look for basically I have a lot of little tiny one on one conversations with each of my friends to connect with them. They love me. Hey, we're all doing this thing. Why don't you come with us? And I look for it as an opportunity just to hang out with guys that I love, you know. And so, yeah, so I don't think um, you have to have like deep, resonant joy over every single thing. But I think it is showing up to each other's stuff. If it matters to them, let it matter enough to you. And if it matters to you, make sure you're sharing it with others so that they have the opportunity to show up for you, too. Okay, we do have one. Sorry, Rich. We have one last one. Uh, and this was actually, this one was a call-in question. Let me see what it is. Hold on. Hi, this is Bethany Perkins. My question is, what do you do when you have a podcast co-host who is a four, who is always coming up with lots of crazy new ideas and they get their feelings hurt when you don't want to do all of them or you can't do all of them or you're just not as enthusiastic about all of them. Thanks. <laughs> this is an easy uh, one. So Rich, what 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 advice would you give to you that gotta person? You got to do all those things is the answer. <laughs> the four knows what they're talking about. If you're listening to this episode, you know that they're creative and innovative mm, mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. really smart and brilliant. And so I agree that all co-hosts should basically just follow the lead yeah. of the four. That, that's going to lead to good ends. <laughs> oh, I yeah. affirm what you're saying. Can we call this listener back? I think we need to talk on on the side about, <laughs> about what to do. <laughs> yeah, Sam's going to have a new a new segment called Throwing Shade at Your Four Co-Hosts. <laughs> With Bethany and Sam. No, it is really important for a four to have someone who grounds them, especially in a project and that I find extremely useful. So uh, whoever this person is who called in, um, Bethany something, uh, just like hold your ground and like tell them that you're going to walk if they don't do what you, if they do keep doing junk all the time. So threaten abandonment and you'll get what you yeah. want. I'm writing Perfect. that down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck doing this on your own. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you to our guest today, Richard Clark. Rich, thanks for being with us, buddy. It's been really, really good. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Yeah. Well, make sure to check out Rich's podcast, Living and Effective, as well as No Chill Enneagram with his co-host, Bethany Perkins. You can subscribe to them both now in whatever podcast app you're using to listen to the Enneacast. Uh, Sam and I both made a brief appearance on No Chill Enneagram's season finale. Make sure to check it out. Also, thank you to Crosspoint Ministry, who trains Sam and I in the Enneagram. To learn more about Crosspoint or to attend one of their amazing retreats, visit crosspointministry.com. Our show is a production of Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or for a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethynaborhood.org. Today's episode was produced by myself, Sam Stevenson, and Rachel Zabo. Engineering and editing by Rachel Zabo. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Sam Stevenson. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. <laughs>